0: You're listening to Book Stories, a podcast about the business and culture of bookselling in the 21st century. I'm your host, Vic Singh. Before we begin, if you like what we're doing, there are a couple of ways to help us out. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also support the show via Patreon. Finally, I'm excited to announce a cool partnership with Libro.fm. Libro.fm is the first audiobook company to directly support independent bookstores. They make it easy for you to listen to more audiobooks at a great price, all while knowing you're helping your community thrive. Learn how to get your first month for 99 cents at bookstories.show. This week's conversation is with Alexa and Emery, co-owners of 20 Stories, a mobile bookstore that originated in LA, but as you'll hear, recently moved to Providence, Rhode Island. These two young entrepreneurs executed on a unique vision and had lots of interesting thoughts on how to be sustainable going forward. Here's our chat. So I wanna welcome you both from 20 Stories, Alexa and Emery. Thank you for joining us in the studio. I got to get this out of the way. It's fascinating to me that your name is Alexa. We say Alexa in our house so much because of Amazon. And you're in the book business. And yeah. it's just, I'm yeah. sure you, you, it's not the first time you've heard that. Right? No, mom... I actually
1: get that a lot. People come up to the van even and we'll preface our conversation with Alexa. Alexa,
0: I... uh, please purchase that book for
1: me. Yeah, yeah, right. please, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My really mom cool. even
2: bought us one for Christmas as kind of like a joke. And uh, luckily we figured out that you can change it to Echo. So I'm not saying Alexa, and there's confusion in the house. Oh, that's (laughs) true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, Are you guys related? Uh, No, no, we're together. Yeah, we're partners.
0: That's awesome. Okay, so that was one question that I had. It wasn't clear, um, but that's really cool. (laughs) So I'm going to cover a lot of ground here, but I want to start at the beginning. What's the origin story? How did this all come about? Who are you guys? Where are you from? And what made you do this, this amazing and crazy thing?
1: Yeah, so we started our Kickstarter in October, and then of last year, of last year, and then um, opened in November. And so it was actually a really quick turnaround for from like idea to you know physical van like going out every day. um So we kind of got the idea after not working jobs in writing, and we both studied writing in college. And so it was just really great to kind of. Did you of, guys
0: go to school together?
1: Yeah, we did. That's actually where we met. We both uh, got our BFAs at Pratt in New York. And so, um, yeah, so the van kind of came out of this place of not working jobs related to like writing or reading or any kind of literature and this being like we need to recenter. So that was kind of like the the incentive behind the project did you have the van in new york and drive it across country
2: no no we got the van here um yeah just in october so Um, did you
0: know when you guys were in school together did you have a sense that you wanted to do something like this in school or was it sort of like
2: it was sort of it was sort of just like this need to like figure out what's next we quit our jobs because we were unhappy in them and we were just like oh my goodness how are we gonna make money now um so, yeah, we were like, well, you know, food trucks are, like, massive in L.A., obviously, and there's fashion boutiques, and we're like, why not do the same thing with books? Wow. Uh,
0: the name. How did you come up with 20?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that was actually a really hard decision. We, it's we a were, super hard decision. We were <laughs> very, like—it we, did not come naturally. It didn't pop in our head one day. We were, like, sitting at our kitchen table. We have a bunch of books to, the, like, the right side of us, and we were just looking at them, like— brainstorming essentially and then we saw nine stories by J.D. Salinger and we were like we can't carry nine books that would be too small, too small. Insane, yeah. but then we are like 20 <laughs> seems reasonable so that's kind of how yeah how it came about
0: what was the blueprint like? Did you, is there anything else out there like this? Did you guys have a kind of like a a, a a mentor or a model, if you will, going into it?
2: Yeah, definitely. There's definitely like a history alone of like um, not mobile bookstores, but bookmobiles um, and libraries doing bookmobiles, um, and those were around probably in like you know the 50s, 60s, mostly. Um, but there are also overseas a lot of like mobile bookstores. There's one on a barge in London, um, another one in France, um, and then there's also a small one in Portugal.
0: The one in France, I think I've seen actually when I was there, and then also Parnassus, which is a bookstore in Nashville. They have a bookmobile, but it's not their primary business. It's yeah. their it's like a yes, more of like, like a marketing like, tool. Yeah, yeah, like um, for events. And they were they were pretty excited about it. And I mentioned you guys, and they were they thought this is really <laughs> cool. How has the relationship been with publishers and distributors like are they were they was there any pushback were there were there any concerns like how 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 did that how did that part of the business plan go in the beginning
1: after the initial, initially it was kind of difficult to figure out. We didn't really know. We reached out to independent publishers and they are super easy uh, to work with, especially LA publishers were super um, welcoming to us. Just which, cold
0: emails. Like hey, cold emails. We're doing
1: this. Like we want like five copies of this book because we buy such low volume. That was the initial concern was that once we sell out of a book, we don't reorder it. Um,
2: we also just didn't know where you buy books wholesale as a bookstore. Um, that was. Ingram like, is like the big Ingram's fish. the big one. Yes. So we use them for a lot of the bigger publishers um, just because it's easy to get them all in one place if it's like, you know, Penguin or something. Um, yeah. But with the small presses, we, we email them directly and are like, hey, this is what we do. Um, we want to carry these titles. Yeah. Um, and they've been super friendly. Overall, it's been super supportive. Yeah. 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 And nice even...
1: Um, publishers will be walking by the van and they'll always come up to us and then talk about, like, books that they're working on, trying to get out. And we always tell them to email us because I just feel like fostering that kind of community is really important for, like, bookstores to survive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the whole, the, the kind of the general uh, consensus from all the interviews we've done for this series is that yeah, the book, indie book community is super tight. Mm-hmm. And they support each other. And you kind of like you have this established network across the country where if you have an issue, you can ask them and you can get feedback. And then there's the American Booksellers Association.
1: Mm -hmm. Are you
2: guys a part of that? Uh, No, we're not. Not a part of it yet. Um, We really want to be, but we
1: just haven't coughed up the (laughs) fees. Not that anyone's
2: like saying, no, you can't be. It just happened. You've always got to
0: pay pay for your ticket to admission. Uh, Exactly. Just to question when you want to do that.
1: Yeah. Uh Um, So talk
0: about the van. Was it just a simple Google search? Like you have an idea, you want to make a mobile bookstore what happens next? You got to find it. Yeah.
2: Out. So we knew we didn't want something too big because we wanted to be able to park in like normal parking spots on the street and metered spots. Um, and with something that's like, you know, if we had a like school bus or something, that'd be like giant and kind of a hassle. Um, and probably so, pretty expensive too. And expensive. Yeah. yeah. An old school bus is like, you know, still like 10, 20 grand. Um, so we looked around Craigslist. Um, I had a bunch of different, we knew we wanted something like retro and vintage um, just for the look. Um, So we just shopped around on Craigslist and finally like settled upon this old 87 Chevy um, G20 that we have now. And.
1: I like the rustic quality of it. I think we were scared of going too cutesy, like, with, a, like, a VW, and we wanted it to feel kind of, like, this, like, sturdy, big Americana. object. Americana? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, we
2: sell books. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, <laughs> our core has a spine. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I
1: guess, like, uh, I don't know, it was it was one of the biggest decisions, I guess, because we were like, we can't go back. We had a very small budget when How we opened. How many did you
2: look at? Well, I mean, we probably looked at, like, 50 just online, but then in person, we probably I only looked at, like,
1: four, th- three or
2: four. Yeah. yeah. So did you find it in town? Was it- yeah, we found it in Mid-City. Um, this couple who actually um, goes down to Mexico and buys vans, old vintage vans, and drives them up. Um, and then the wife's a mechanic, and the husband's a carpenter. So this was one of the vans that he was going to convert for his carpentry business. Oh. Um, and he decided that he liked a different van they brought up better. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we took it off their hands.
0: And then who retrofitted it? Did you guys do it yourself or did you have to hire a company for that? How did that work?
1: Yeah, we, we took it to a painting, uh, like a painting company and asked. We we picked out the color scheme ourselves and then we actually had a friend um, who is a designer who helped us with logo. And so it was a bunch of people kind of who ended up putting together their final project. A little labor of love? Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Um, Because it's like I was thinking about it in my mind. It's It's got to be a, a unique uh, uh, question from a, to somebody. Hey, I want you to retrofit this van into a bookstore.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so does like- it
0: have? So talk about the in- in- interior. Like, what was your what was your vision? How did you map out what what you wanted? Like the shelves and all that stuff. Like, kind of just give give us a give give listeners. Sort of a, um, an audio tour, if you will, of what the insides like. Yeah. A, the so, product.
2: so the insides, um, the insides, kind of older. It's all like faux wood paneling on it. Um, we don't. We use that mainly just for storage, but we're slowly converting it into a mobile office now um, to do work on the go. We have solar panels on the roof, um, just so that we can like charge our computers and phones and work inside. Um, and then the outside, originally, our idea was to have a standing bookshelf, kind of like um, one you'd have in your house. And we did that for maybe a month. Um, and we'd leave the sliding door open. One of us would sit inside the van and one of us would sit outside and we'd sell books that way and um, then kind of out of necessity came these floating shelves that now now we have affixed to, like, the side of the van.
1: Yeah, and everyone always comes up to the van thinking it's some, like, really crazy mechanical, like, setup we have, but it's actually very simple. It's like we have these metal brackets um, screwed into the van, and there you we literally lift the shelves and, like, click them into place um, with, like, little hinges.
2: How long does it take you guys to set up? Like, once you find we your can, spot? We can probably set up in, like— Ten minutes and break down in ten minutes. So yeah. it's very efficient. Yeah, yeah. But if
1: it was a contest, we would definitely do it in five. <laughs> <I was laughs> like if we were, if we had to get it done, we were like, that thing's bad. Someone was
0: coming for us. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to get to that in a minute. Oh. Uh, so, did you guys drive the van over here today?
1: No, we we actually have another car that's okay. like our main car, just for living. But
0: I'm uh, thinking in terms of like just like advertising. You know, like right. if you guys are driving it around everywhere, yeah. people will see it and they'll know, and they might tr- you might get some traffic on your website that way or on your socials?
2: Yeah, we definitely, I mean, even when when We're going out in the morning. We'll go and we might stop and get like this morning. We stopped at Millie's and got uh breakfast, so the van's sitting outside Millie's and everyone's like, What is that thing? Yeah, um, yeah. and then we get in the van and everyone's like, Who are those people? and then we drive <laughs> away, which is a good um, thing, yeah. drive, which, which is, is a good, good thing because <laughs> then they're so like, strange. They're like 20 stories, what is this? I have to look it up. Um, Sometimes. and then even when we're coming home after a day of selling, um, we'll stop at Vons and park it in Vaughn's parking lot and go in and shop for our groceries and then go right. to the van, anywhere
0: you go, especially living um, in LA, anywhere you go, it's a, it's a mobile advertisement,
2: yeah, exactly. And on the we get people who come by and they're like, I saw you driving on the freeway the other day and I didn't know what it is. Now I know what it is. So yeah.
0: That's awesome. So you guys did a Kickstarter campaign. Talk a little bit about that. Was it DIY? Did you hire someone to help you with that? What was that experience and process like?
2: So I used to work at a restaurant um, down in the Arts District. Bartender there, um, his name's Brendan Wendner. He's an awesome uh, videographer. He did the video for us um, and we shot it in probably three days on our front porch and then also a little bit going around to the people we found on Craigslist with vans and So, yeah, that was.
0: How long was the actual, like, pre, before you clicked launch or whatever Kickstarter makes you click to go live, how much time had you guys spent? Was it like a 30 day, 40 day thing?
2: It was pretty quick.
0: Um, It was pretty quick. I
1: think it was like a month from like idea to Kickstarter. To final.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What was your goal? How much were you trying to raise? Our goal was 10000 And did you guys meet the goal? Yeah, yeah. we just
1: over. So, awesome. Yeah.
0: And the backers, were they... I'm always interested in, like, the demographic of the backers. Like, were they mostly local, or was it pretty spread out across the country? It was...
2: Yeah, I mean, it was really interesting because we had a lot of L.A. people um, just because we got a little bit of press before we even launched in yeah. L.A. Mag and um, yeah. stuff like that. Um, but then we also, I mean, we had people from our hometowns, um, Providence and Oshkosh. And then we also had some people in Tokyo. Um, we had someone in Israel. So it was it was I exciting. was like,
1: who are those people? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. really cool to it's see cool. like such people, support.
0: Exactly. They, so they have opportunities to support projects. There's another store in town. Uh, they're a physical store, but they also ran a Kickstarter campaign. And their advice was, if you want to hit your target, you have to build the campaign well in advance. Yeah, You can't just click, press, submit, and then assume mm-hmm. people are going to come out of the woodwork, because people have to find out about it. So business-wise, so now you guys have your truck, your van, you have your inventory. You, uh, I'm sure you use some of the Kickstarter funds to purchase your initial inventory. I'm going to ask you about curation, but what are some of the things you're doing to drive... People to you? Like, how do you communicate what you're doing and who you are and essentially get people to come and visit your spot?
1: Yeah. So, A big part of just getting in front of people and the fact that we're mobile is that that we can choose where we see the foot traffic and the people who we think are our customers so we spend a lot of time actually scouting coffee shops or like streets that um, we think like we would jam with the businesses that are already there Um, and then also we use a lot of social media um, like with press and the press we got um, prior to our Kickstarter and then also after has really helped us with that. So that's the easiest way we communicate with people. And every morning we put our cross streets on our Instagram so people can find us. So um, how do
0: you decide what spot to go to? So just walk me through it. You guys wake up Wednesday morning and like, what's the checklist? Where are we going today?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because we kind of learned a lot about geography, LA's geography, because like certain neighborhoods are more sleepy during certain times. So say it's like, earlier in the week, um, Los Feliz. There's a lot of people who are around Los Feliz earlier in the week, but come like Friday and Saturday, it's kind of like a dead zone in terms of book selling, I guess, um, for us. And then on like Saturdays and like the weekends, we, we go down to, downtown to the Arts District um, and sometimes Venice. It's a lot. It's interesting just to see how people move around the city. And we, we try to stay really cognizant of that.
0: Have you guys in, the, in initially it was probably there was probably a little bit of trial and error
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. There was, Some hits and misses. Yeah. The first day we went out was our opening day, um, November 4th. We went to the Arts District, um, and it was great, and we were, like, really happy, um, and it was crazy, and we were like, wow, people are really like to buy books. Wow, this is exciting. Um, we didn't know how this was going to roll over, and then... Um, after that it was kind of figuring out um like alexa said like oh this place is a dead zone on uh you know wednesday or thursday and this place is like really happening on saturday or friday or whatever so um how does this
0: work uh, do you have to coordinate with the city and local authorities in any capacity we were talking about it a little bit pre-show that there you kind of have to figure out parking and like where you're allowed to be and not to be can you talk a little bit about that and what that uh, what that's been like?
1: Yeah, so we have all the same sellers permits essentially as a food truck, minus the you know the the food. The food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so so um, essentially we can park anywhere that has a meter as long as we pay the meter. Um, certain areas such as Pasadena or Santa Monica have special permits for that. Space, so we have to like purchase those as well. Um, But initially, with the original bookshelves that were just standing, a standing bookshelf. Um, and then we created the floating bookshelves because of the local authorities that were saying we were taking up too much sidewalk space. So the thing with food trucks is everything is internal, but since we're ex- like we're taking up more yeah than we're footprint. taking yeah so um, we had to we had to adjust there a little bit. But it's working. It's working now. We haven't had yeah since that change. Everything's been really smooth.
2: Yeah, we had we just had. I remember in the beginning when we had that original bookcase that was taking up a lot of sidewalk space. Um, and we were in Larchmont Village and I don't know who it was, but someone called some private security on us and they, you know, it was kind of a weird moment and kind of scary because we were new to it. Um, and they showed up and they had like guns at their hips and we were like, you're not cops. Um, we don't know who you are. And they're like, you can't be here. That's and we we're like, why can't we be here? Like we have permits. And they were like, just leave. And it was, yeah. So that's how the floating bookshelves came about. Yeah. Um,
0: smart you you learned and adapted the interesting thing is from your standpoint is it's always easier to just you know play dumb and say sorry yeah exactly you know, <laughs> uh, because there's always some neighborhood person or somebody that doesn't like change and you you have to go through that that rigmarole but overall it seems like it's pretty overwhelmingly positive do you have to like nomadically travel with food truck people or can you guys be in your own space is it better business wise to be around food trucks or walk me through that process
1: yeah we actually we have partnered with um another mobile business called promised land it's a sunglass selling um company out of a vw um so we have set up days where we part um like set up shop next door next to each other um which i think helps people kind of throws throws people off just to see one. But once you see two, it's kind of, you know, a situation that people want to check out more. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, like so, a
0: little mini market. Yeah. Yeah. Market. And yeah, we
1: so didn't... we would love to do that with food trucks. Do you yeah, go we... to farmers markets? Is that a thing?
2: Um, we did. We did them a little bit, but it's just the fees for the farmers markets are kind of high sometimes. Okay. Um, and we figured if we're just on the street paying a meter um, and have just as much foot traffic.
0: Sometimes you see in L.A. when you drive around, you see either food trucks or, like, these traveling, um, you know, pop-up shops, if you want to call them that, in front of other stores. And they seem to be, like, partnering with them. So, like, Alfred Coffee's Common, where they have Yeasty Boys bagels right outside. And they, like, co-brand with each other. Yeah. Is that a thing? Like, do you arrange with the owner of that store? Or is there, like, a mechanism that you can share with us that— as yeah. to how that works?
2: Yeah, in the beginning, it was just us popping up and being like, hope they're cool with it. Yeah. Um, and most of them were. So we're, you wouldn't go in and talk to them? Um, we would, well, we would go in and get our coffee, um, usually in front of coffee shops. So we'd go in and get a coffee and be like, hey, um, how are you doing? They're like, yeah, good, how are you? And then we'd be like, we're selling books outside today. And they'd be like, oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. And no one really has problems with books, right. which is nice. Um, and then it kind of, we formed relationships with a lot of the coffee shops we're outside of now. It just happened that we had a new neighbor who moved in, and he's like the manager of Blue Bottle in L.A. Um, So he's like, you guys should come outside Blue Bottles. So they love it.
0: Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Because it's Um, it's cross-pollination, and everybody wins.
1: Yeah, it's like a bonus for their customers to know that a bookstore is gonna pop up there some days.
0: Yeah, and when you're sipping your coffee, what better thing to do than browse? Because most people aren't really doing much. They're sitting in front of a laptop, but they're not really doing anything. Yeah. So (laughs) they might as well go out and look at a book, right? So... How do you curate 20 books, most bookstores, a lot of the bookstores that I've talked to in the series, you know, they're generalist bookstores and they have everything and they, I'm fascinated by the curation because that, especially in this business now, when you're competing against the Amazons of the world and technology, anybody can just buy anything with the click of a button. The only real true advantage you guys have is curation. And like, you know, these are the books that we want to put in front of people. So talk about curation. How do you guys approach it? What is your thought process? How do you pick your 20 titles?
1: Yeah, so we have an ongoing list of, I don't know, a lot of titles, I'd say almost a hundred at a time. Um, but and we're always always going through it. Um, you guys
0: have like a Google Doc that you share with each other and you throw ideas uh, on there. Old, or old,
2: school, notebook. I old
0: school notebook,
2: <laughs> I have, analog. I, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know why we do it that way, but <laughs> but yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's a lot of uh, long list and short list nominated titles um, for you know awards as big as like the Pulitzer and Man Booker, but also smaller smaller awards. Um, that in translation, I'm really into translation. So it's just, um, it's kind of a research game is how I call it. And then once we have that list and we're narrowing it down to this month's 20, um, we always look for making sure we have a diverse list of like authors um, and subject matter. We always try to put our taste aside. So I
0: was going to ask that, is it something that you've always read?
1: Um, we read it afterwards. afterwards. After, yeah, it's normally like we go through a lot of like reviews and back- background checks of like you know why we think this is a good option and then we read it ourselves so between ourselves we read 10 books a month um and that just helps us like personalize it more and that's yeah. yeah and that's and that's what we're really trying to do um that i think sets us apart a little bit is it's as personalized as i think it can get
0: i love the concept because it's focus like we're all busy we have you know devices and computers and all this stuff, media coming at us, podcasts, TV shows, everything. And to just be able to be like, hey, these are 20 books to look at. And out of these 20, there might be one or multiple ones that you like. It's so much more like instant. Is that kind of the vibe that you get from the patrons that are that are they're almost thankful that, hey, thanks for helping me sort through the noise a little bit?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think the first thing is like people don't always plan on going to the bookstore in their day. So if we're just out on the street and they run into us, it's like, oh, I'm in a bookstore now. Um, I didn't plan this, but I want this. Um, and the second is um, people are looking for something that's um, like people like I'm trying to think of a good way to put this. Um, I think people like curation now more than ever. Like people want to be, uh, have an experience be told, Oh, this is good for this reason and know that you're connected to it. And it makes them feel more connected to it. And a human Um, that
0: you're looking at face to face has said that I'm vouching for this book. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like
2: someone's vetted them for you already. Um, and then they can tell us, Hey, I really like mystery or I really like a love story or coming of age story. And we can be like, Oh, like these three will really fit into those categories for you. Um
0: this is kind of an aside. Uh, are you guys attending the LA Times Festival of Books?
1: We are not. We're not, but we wish we were.
0: <laughs> they have cuz they have like pop-up stores there Yeah, it like yeah. would be perfect especially cuz you guys are a year old. You, were were you in business last April?
2: Uh no, we've only we're going into our 6 month now. Yeah, so it would have um, been
0: it would have been like a perfect coming out yeah, party for yeah. yeah. <laughs> us. we go there, we go there and we take our kids and the um vibe is fantastic. Yeah. You know? So Going back to the books that you guys stock, what if you pick the wrong book? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what's the fix for that? How does that work? Can you send it back like like traditional stores do? Or
2: So like Alexa said earlier, we order really low volume okay. of everything. Um, typically 10 of each book, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, depending on um, how popular it is or if it's really recent. People know about it, and we know people know about it. Um, and we typically uh, sell out of everything by the end of the month. Um, and we do reorder only if... Um, something sells out in the first week or so. But if we do have a book that's not selling as well as we hoped it would, um, we'll keep it on the van and we'll put a... We have a little stack in the corner um, that's like past month's books so people can pick through that too.
0: And is, is it discounted or...?
2: Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not, um, depending... Yeah, yeah,
1: depending how long they've been sitting, the sitting. out in the Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah the sun... Yeah, that's another interesting element that... Do they
2: get weathered
1: um, or they do d- you have them covered? Um, they don't get weathered too much because, like, you know, they're out... I guess for five or six hours a day. But the LA sun is so intense that mm-hmm. it does sometimes turn the pages um a little like yellow, but you don't you can't really tell. It doesn't make a difference once you purchase it. You can only tell when they're stacked right. and you see one right. that was recently put out and then the older one.
0: Is there anything that sells in, in the time that you guys have been open? Is there anything that's been selling really well that kind of surprises you? Does yeah.
1: You
2: know? Everything from Curbside Splendor, which is a small publisher out of uh, Chicago. Um, their books are great. They have uh, There's one called Jillian by Haley Butler. Um, another called uh, Mycology by Joan Wilkins. Uh, and both of those books in the first week, they're gone. Um and it was really surprising because we'll have the bigger stuff. We'll have like Zadie Smith or Gino Diaz and those will sometimes take longer to sell than... The, yeah. the little the little guys <laughs> and well
0: was the book that you mentioned did you stumble upon that or did you know about it in advance
2: uh, yeah we kind of just stumbled upon uh, how I don't know how we Jillian
1: was five hundred thirty-five, right yeah yeah um, she was um, yeah, by the New Yorker but yeah uh, no
2: uh, no the National Book Foundation yeah okay. the National yeah. Book
1: Foundation so she, her book and she was kind of someone who came out of um, was a surprise I guess in, a, in the best way possible um, and when I guess when we have those independent presses represented and we get to talking to people and recommend them, they're always, that's kind of an exciting feeling for them too, because it is one of those books that would be maybe, you know, tucked away in a larger store that's like right out in the front and ours.
0: So business-wise, what are you guys thinking? Do you have plans to open more bookmobiles? Are you thinking physical location? Or are you just kind of living in the moment (laughs) i'm asking asking, a lot of times it's you know when you come up with a business concept it's so hard to just launch to begin with but then once you're once you've launched you're always thinking about well what are we going to do tomorrow so that's that's kind of what where the spirit of the question is
1: yeah i think i think in our dream world it would be you know in the future we have multiple vans i think we're really um i guess committed to this idea of mobility and bringing books to people um just because it remind it's a reminder um but we're also open to everything um i think that there's always room for growth
2: yeah yeah definitely we're also um we just decided very recently that we're actually moving to providence rhode island oh wow uh-huh. <laughs> was that the big news
0: that, that you was mentioned yeah. um, okay <laughs> and- i just have I had it's so crazy i have a friend who's moving there like next month too that's, oh, awesome. Uh, yeah, for a job. But, so tell me about that. So you're not going to be a fixture in LA anymore. You're moving to. We're bringing Providence. the van with
2: us, yeah. Um, but we're keeping LA on the van. We're keeping LA's mobile bookstore as part of it. And um,
0: you're going to drive it cross country?
2: Uh, we're going to ship, it. ship it's, it. It's a little old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it connects. Like make that it.
0: movie. Do you guys see that movie, Chef?
2: Oh yeah, With, uh, yeah, yeah. John Favreau, he drives a food truck yeah, across yeah. country, and
0: he's like stops <laughs> along the way and becomes a thing. I
2: know that would be. A, I wish we could do that. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Um, are you but, guys? Um, do
0: you want to share? Are you comfortable sharing why you're moving, or is it? Uh, yeah, 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 I, I yeah. What's the motivation behind the move?
2: Uh, I think part of it is we're ve- like the last like three years we've been very like just spontaneous people. We kind of we moved to LA without ever being like visiting LA. Yeah. We had never been here before and we came for a week, found a place and then drove across the country from New York to LA. Wow. And we're like, wow. And then 20 stories started a year after that, um, year and a half after that. So so you guys have
0: been in LA for a little over a year.
2: uh, Two years. Two years. Two years. Um, And I don't think, I don't think 20 stories would have started anywhere else. Um, That's the thing. Um, It's the culture here. It's the culture. It's, The weather, like being, we can be like, it started in the middle of winter. (laughs) You can't start in the middle of winter. Just
0: last winter, it was still in the 80s. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, So that's part of our reason is just always like looking for like a new adventure and new experiences and kind of pushing ourselves um, beyond our own like boundaries and getting uncomfortable.
0: What did Um, you find about Providence that appealed? Do you have any family and friends there or?
2: I'm from yeah, I'm from Providence. You're from there, uh, okay. So originally, that, that my, helps. yeah, my family, my mom and dad, and my brother um, are there, and I have a couple close friends there still. Um, but also, just uh, we, it's the it's going into the summer, so it'll be a good time for Providence. Um, there's a lot happening there too, a lot of music and arts. Humid there? It gets it gets humid, but not like the South. Like not like not like farther south. Yeah, yeah, not like Louisiana. Austin, Pe-
1: Texas, was actually another city on the board.
2: Austin's on everybody's board. Yeah, there. yeah. yeah. And we, we visited last week. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and we were like I think the humidity was going to ruin the books. So I was- Uh
0: I'm pro mobility, but I'm sure the um the branding of being starting here and going there will also be helpful.
1: Yeah, I think I'm I think that when we started the business, it was it was really um I guess us merging our two worlds of like wanting to be writers ourselves and wanting to support other writers. And, and the good thing is that we can do that anywhere. And it's actually, it's actually exciting to connect the two cities maybe in this way where, you know, the we'll have, um, we're also, because we're moving, we're releasing a subscription service, um, to hopefully keep the, our customers in LA, with us Content. on the ride yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. still reading hopefully i'm sure
0: i'm sure you you probably will have some uh supporters that would want you guys to be successful wherever you are yeah so,
2: yeah yeah um do you use your website to sell like backlist stuff or titles that... yeah we have everything that's uh anything that's left in stock from previous months and then also our current inventory is all online, all online also online. yeah
0: you can shop online at your website yeah, yes. yeah and we ship yes.
2: anywhere in the usa
0: business-wise This is just like the token question. Whenever you do a bookstore conversation, you have to mention Amazon. Are they on your radar or are you kind of just like whatever at this point?
1: Um they are on our radar, I guess, because they're kind of on everyone's radar for all various reasons. But um but yeah, the Amazon is an interesting interesting thing. We're
2: talking we talk about it
1: you talk
2: about a lot a lot i guess um we we're just talking about it on the way over actually <laughs> and um one thing is we so like we said amazon's not curated we're curated and that's part of the experience um and one way we can combat like their prices that are half of ours and sometimes when we are at the van we'll like someone will talk to us for like a while and we'll give them a lot of like recommendations and they'll be like oh that sounds great that sounds great and then they'll take a picture on their phone to go buy it on amazon later and that's frustrating um and i don't blame the person i don't think it's necessarily their fault i think it's just like books aren't aren't seen as alexa says this a lot like books aren't seen as art anymore they're seen as like a cheap product um, as commodities that can just be sold for, you know, like sometimes someone will come up and be like, how much is this book? And we'll be like, oh, it's $16. And they'll be like, oh, that's so expensive. But then you don't remember that a writer might have been writing that book for five or 10 years. Um,
0: In some cases, even
2: longer. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, that was another really exciting part of the of the bookmobile was, um, I guess, reinstilling the objects with this, like, artistry, I feel like, because we face all the books um, right side up, so the covers are all seen, um, and that kind of draws people in immediately, because the artwork's on the cover. Of course. And so, um, I don't know, in some ways, I feel like people, even people who aren't usually you know, book lovers or readers will come up to the van and appreciate, appreciate it for yes, that I reason. Can. Yeah, appreciate it for, for, for the various reasons. So
0: if someone comes up to you today and says, I want to open a bookstore, you know, be it you know, like the model that you guys are doing or a physical one, what tips would you give them? Now that you've kind of been in the game for a little while, um, are there any things that you can point to that could be helpful or harmful to someone who wants to do what you guys are doing or something similar?
1: Um, so I think that most bookstores, even if they're general bookstores, kind of need to have a niche. And I think when you're able to hone in at what you're good at, um, I guess for us, it's like a curation um, of 20 books uh, that will help set them apart and make people feel like, you know, they're not only providing books, but they're providing a service. I think people look for services a yeah. lot.
2: And I think I, I think also just like location is important, but it's people will come to you if you have something that they want. Um, there's this bookstore that just opened up in Providence actually, um, called Riff Raff and they're a bar and bookstore. So half, it's split in half and it's
0: becoming a thing. Yeah, yeah. it's becoming a thing. There's
2: another one in LA that's going to open called Disclaimer Brewing, um, uh, beer garden and, uh, bookstore. So, um, I think if you can pair something, especially like beer, <laughs> that's what people really want. Of course. Um, they'll go there for the beer and then be like, Oh, and books. Yeah. Um, so that's, and yeah. It,
1: yeah. And I never thought about booksellers in a t- in the terms of retail but I guess you know we are retailers and I think sometimes that idea of retail can be harmful to um maybe just feeling like putting putting out um you know the books you have and waiting for someone to pick the one versus like you know making yeah having a um what are those called a uh, yeah, we don't do cards. those book talkers. book talkers. Book talkers. <laughs> book talkers. talkers. Yeah, shop, yeah, shop talkers. talkers. <laughs> book talkers. <laughs> We're book yeah, talkers. <laughs> like, just being able to, like, maybe not think of it so much as retail, but a creative space.
0: Humanizing he- the book.
1: Yeah. A lot
0: of people, their one technology is their, which doesn't sound like a technology, but it truly is, their one selling point that a lot of stores have over other places is that these... These shelf talkers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. You don't really think about it, but there actually is a huge thought process that goes into which ones they shelf talk. And you know, someone's really excited about sharing a piece of, you know, whenever you hear a really cool song, you want to share it, right? Right. Whenever you read a really cool book, you want to share
2: it. So yeah, I think that's another thing. Like if you're like it's the passion. You can just see the passion there. And I think if someone wants to open up a bookstore, the passion's just there and they should do it. Um
0: technology-wise, you guys are pretty analog. Obviously, it's book retail and you're a mobile bookstore. Talk about how you guys leverage and use technology, if at all. Is this something that you think about? Are you thinking about broadcasting, like, like maybe, like, Facebook-living events? What conversations do you guys have that center around how can we leverage technology to make this thing kill?
2: Yeah, one thing, I mean, one thing we are thinking about from the beginning and slowly uh, want to put forward is an app to find us. Um, so we would, uh, you know, you can go onto the 20 Stories app and then see where we are exactly um, and kind of track us and see our movements, um and find us that way and kind of be more interactive in a sense.
1: Yeah, I think that that's like blending the two worlds of, you know, kind of being going rogue a little with just being on a van and you know, we use social media to tell people where we are. And that's like one of the like the most important ways we we people can find us. So, I guess using technology just to bring community is the biggest way we use it
0: is it the number one way you communicate with people yeah it twitter, is you use twitter
2: we use uh twitter instagram's Instagram. the big one, instagram's um, big yeah. one. that's what we put our cross streets and neighborhood every morning in and our the bio inventory that you're selling um, and the inventory yeah. we're selling we post about it um constantly yeah um so yeah that's probably the main way um it's funny because I'm I feel like I'm so like opposed to technology in so many ways. <laughs> I just don't like using like Instagram and stuff, but we have to for the business. Yeah. Luckily I things. love it. Yeah. We might not have an Instagram if it was just me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: No, uh, I'm I'm a reluctant Twitter user because uh, I just find that like there's so much noise in it, but sometimes it's a preferred medium for people to communicate with you with some of the shows that we make and stuff like that. So fans like to communicate through that medium and you have to be there to engage them yeah Yeah. another way
2: is like people come by and they'll put us on like their instagram story or like they'll direct message us and see like our story and be like oh you have this book now like i'm gonna come by and grab it and a lot a lot of time people follow through. They'll they'll say, course, I'm, yeah. I'm going to come by and they'll come by it. And um, it's really impressive and yeah. really nice. Especially
0: the scene here in particular. I've noticed that a lot of these uh, startup, a lot of like novelty businesses and independent businesses, there is a bit of a, like an L.A. culture effect of like, you know, whether it be hashtags or people tagging you in their stories and people like, draw a crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and you guys just mentioned Millie's and Silver Lake. There's all kinds of little Pop up shops and things happening right on that little stretch mm-hmm. of town, and it's largely driven by social media. Yeah, otherwise people don't really know. Yeah, you guys have been in the book business for just, just call it a year at this point. Is there anything? And you guys are on the on the. You skew young, so uh, the book business is a very sort of old and entrenched industry are there any innovations or things that you wonder why nobody's doing in the business why hasn't anybody done this yet why hasn't anybody tried this yet with your lenses the lenses that you guys have on right now is there anything that kind of makes you think why isn't anybody doing this
1: i i think that um with the competition people always say with ebooks and uh you know physical books and there's always like a split in the with who goes in what what group and i think that we were talking about why not sell them together, but I don't know how to do that. Bundle, <laughs> yeah. in other words, in yeah. other words, bundle <laughs> the
0: book with the audio with the
2: with
1: the yeah e-book. Yeah, yeah. We're trying and to the- figure
2: out a way to like when you buy a book from us, you also get the ebook, um, or you also get the audio book, and we're. Not really sure how to do that yet. Yeah. yeah,
1: I think that the thing is is like it is more on the the back end of the publish publishers um, making it affordable because right then
0: figuring out the pricing.
1: Yeah, because right now you, we would have to buy both and then I guess give them bundle to, it yeah yourself, bundle it ourselves the and then it would just be you'd be paying for twice as much. Right. So we can't do it right now. But in my mind, I was like that would. Essentially, solve a lot of the the splits between the people. What's reading.
0: great is that you are not the first person to vocalize that same sentiment. Yeah, <laughs> and the fact that people are having that particular pain point is a good sign that somebody listening to this or or more conversations like this that you guys are having will actually lead to a change. Because I'm I'm a pretty serial reader. I like to read you know three or four different things. And I would love the option to be able to be reading something here and then jump into my car and then be able to pick up right where I left off. Right. Yeah. And the, the tech is already there. Right. You know, it's just a question of the person who controls the purse string saying, Right. we will charge you $25 or whatever it is. Yeah, Right. Exactly. Um, and I think that I think that the way that it's trending is that somebody's going to come up with a subscription service. Right. Does that sound like it would make sense to you guys? Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Subscriptions
1: um, are really, really cool. I think subscriptions cool. are
2: like su- like super popular right now. And that's part of the reason we want to like push one out so when we move that people here can um, continue. Continue, continue with us. Yeah.
0: And you guys can also recommend, not that I'm trying to give you guys business ideas or anything, but like a situation where you have customers that look to you for a curation and you can basically bundle them you know for a subscription we'll bu- we'll send you 3 books a month or whatever it is exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that's what
1: we're going to be doing
0: um what does your business look like in 5 years forecast for me
1: um have 3 vans um maybe 2 in Rhode Island and one elsewhere
2: Yeah, I mean, it'd be great to bring one back to LA too eventually. Um, Just right now, we don't have the resources for it, and that's why we're bringing it with us. Yeah. Um, But yeah, eventually, have multiple vans in multiple cities would be amazing.
1: Also, providing maybe workshops really into like expanding our services into like having groups that come together and write and read. And we have a book club already, so maybe expanding that too.
0: Cool. Is the book club physical or is it online?
1: Right, it's physical. Um, So we meet. Uh, we've been meeting for the last six months um, at Intelligentsia Coffee in Silver Lake. Um, but then, you know, we'd also like to have an online option for people to read along.
0: Sure. Do you guys think print is always going to be around?
2: Yes. Yes. I don't, yeah, I think it's something about the physical book will never leave. I think people like to hold on to it.
0: And individually, what are you reading at the moment?
1: Um, I'm actually starting The Last Bad, no, The First Bad Man by Randa July. I just finished um, The Hearts Invisible Furies by John Boyne.
0: Are you selling both of those titles?
1: Um, yeah, one this month and then the next in May.
2: When are you guys moving to Rhode Island, by the way? When is that happening? Uh, two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> are you going to be doing like a goodbye L.A. thing? Uh, we're trying to plan something. Our last book club is on the 22nd, and that's like the final day we're going to be selling also.
1: Yeah. Um, so we'll have, in LA, but. Yeah, we'll have a, a little crowd for sure. Nice. Saying goodbye.
2: Um, and what are you reading? Um, I just started Daredevils by Sean Vestal, um, and that's for next month. Um, and then I just finished White Tears by Hari Kunzru.
0: And are there any writers out there that you'd like to mention that you think should be getting more attention? Who's the next Zadie Smith?
1: One of my favorite books I've read in like probably the last two, three years is Delicious Foods by James Hanahan. Um, he actually it, it got uh, the Penn Faulkner Award. Um, so it's gotten some recognition, but I think like, that should be in everyone's bookshelf.
2: Yeah, there's this book called, we're actually carrying it this month, called Sorry to Disrupt the Peace by Patty Yumi Cottrell. Um, it's an amazing book. Um, she's an amazing writer.
0: Is music part of your experience? Do you guys play music in, um, the, in the van when you're parked?
1: We don't. We don't right now. We did sometimes, but sometimes it's distracting for the other businesses. So yeah. we try to stay a fly in the wall sometimes as much <laughs> right, right, as right, possible. For sure,
0: for sure. Some stores playlist. And uh, like if you're a fan of a store, if you're a fan of a concept, um, playlists can be like a thing, you know, to connect you to that place. If you guys weren't selling books, what would you be doing? Um, um you guys are both
2: writers I know, yeah but. yeah we're both writers and i we're still writing yeah. um and always working towards that that um, never stops that never stops yeah. yeah um but
1: in a few years i'd like to get my mfa and then hopefully become a professor and still do the van but juggle both
2: yeah i think anything uh related to writing or teaching writing or selling books would always be um part of me otherwise i'd be waiting tables
0: Complete the sentence. Now that you're leaving, you can kind of actually say it, you know, uh, openly and honestly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> L.A. is confusing.
1: Way quirkier than I thought it was going to be.
0: You guys had never been out here before either, right? You're just, you're in, no, in, uh, yeah. we've never been, been out here. No, no
2: so just a big San Francisco. Was a big briefly, but yeah,
0: San Francisco and L.A. are two very exactly. different places. Yeah, too. yeah. <laughs> L.A. is really, in good ways and bad. It's it's its own separate bubble. Yeah, yeah.
1: I yeah. think it, it gave us a lot, and we're leaving more. With more than what we had which Definitely is
2: Like I said I don't think 20 stories Would have been birthed Anywhere else Yeah So
0: Finally Last but not least Most important question Of the day guys What's in your ideal
2: sandwich? Relish <laughs>
1: Relish <laughs> um, I don't know I'm a huge un- oh, Cheese I'm from Wisconsin So okay. I have to say cheese Wait, does, or that, fish. does that count, we tuna? Both love fish. I love tuna and onions. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> awesome.
0: It's amazing, the spread of favorite sandwiches among booksellers in America. Alexa and Emery, I want to thank you guys. Uh, it was really cool to have you in the studio. I was so thrilled to find out about you when I was researching storage for the series. I think your concept is great. I hope it scales. I hope it's successful. And I wish you guys all the best. Thank you so, so much. much. I'm Vic Singh, and you've been listening to Book Stories. Book Stories is produced by Alternate Thursdays in Los Angeles.